Hello everybody, I'm your host Hal Curtis and I'd like to welcome you to The Space Industry by SatSearch, where we share stories about the companies taking us into orbit. In this podcast, we delve into the opinions and expertise of the people behind the commercial space organisations of today who could become the household names of tomorrow. Before we get started with the episode, remember you can find out more information about the suppliers, products and innovations that are mentioned in this discussion on the global marketplace for space at satsearch.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm joined today by Giovanni Pandolfi of LeafSpace, a ground segment as a service provider with headquarters in Italy and uh, sites across the world. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the ground segment as a service business model and how it can improve procurement processes, particularly for satellite integrators and, and companies that have multiple missions. So Giovanni, welcome to the Space Industry Podcast. It's great that you're with us today. Hey, hi there. Thanks for having me here. Fantastic. Um, let's go into our discussion today. When we talk about the ground segment as a service business model, one of the common bottlenecks that you see when it comes to sort of access to ground stations for satellite operators who have you know multiple missions with particularly with different customers who they need to serve on different you know timescales and and in different ways. Well, there there are a few, as you said. Let's take a step back. Uh, by the way, maybe focusing on what these players need to do. So, it's typically what we refer about as mission providers or in general as constellation operators. So, I will divide the two things. Mission providers are, let me say, third parties that build satellites for a certain customer. And in major part of the cases, also they operate the satellite mission from the ground up. So they actually, you know, schedule the satellite, task it for having uh, for it to be images, for example, or they operate the uh, telecommunication payload or whatever. But the fact is that they control the entire mission from satellite manufacturing, launching, uh, Leop and commissioning, uh, nominal operation, and then the commissioning. And they do this for a third party. They just commission the entire mission to them, saying, okay, I want this kind of data, or I want you to integrate this payload on a satellite bus and then to operate it for me. The other part is actually always satellite operators, but in that case, maybe they own their satellite and they operate it directly, but they manage a, a constellation or multiple satellites to be operated. In both cases, you know, when you handle multiple missions, there are a few bottlenecks. In the first case, for mission providers, the fact is that every customer has different requirements, every payload has different way of operation or tasking and scheduling. So you need to take into account of all these different things when you're actually providing a solution. The way for you as as mission provider to make it economically sustainable is try to make it as modular as possible, or you know, to try to put all the common things together and find solutions for those common things. And the same kind of thing applies for the constellation operators, but maybe there they have much less issues just because typically, at least, the constellations are based of similar satellites, sorry. So similar satellites, similar systems. So the way of operation could be much more similar to each spacecraft. As I said, one of the bottlenecks, for example, mission operations is really to understand, to make everything together. If you are, for example, using different communication board or transceivers because you have different data rate requirements, you need to find, for example, a ground segment as a service solution for each one. Maybe, you know, interfaces are a little bit different. The way that you schedule your contacts are is a little bit different. So 
also the pricing could be quite different because of these things that I'm saying. So, you know, having a way to put all of these on a unique level and just, you know, focus on how to better streamline your process, this, of course, save you, well, I would say a lot of money <laughs> sometime, but definitely will save you uh, a lot of time. And same thing for, for constellation operation. If you have a, an idea of a streamlined process, uh, defined interfaces, defined pricing structure, etc., that's uh, way better and your process is much more streamlined. What we try to do in, in LEAF is actually to find a, uh, what we call a partnership program where we can partner actually with our customers to define a common framework agreement where we can have different things all put together. And so when they have a new mission, they just, they don't need to sign or negotiate a new contract. They just need to emit to us a service order like they would have emit to buy a, a certain component for, uh, for a satellite to us. And then, you know, we know that we already test everything, that we are already compatible and whatever, and this it's really quite, quite a lot of streamlined. So I would say the bottlenecks are both technical management or procurement-wise, but also regulatory-wise. It makes a lot of sense why you've split up the customers in, the, in that way, the constellation that maybe operates in one way with multiple satellites and then an individual company that managers, you know, multiple satellites doing different things and for different customers. You mentioned the your sort of standard framework agreement or the partnership agreement that you have now. And and you obviously touched on some of the benefits of that, but from both your point of view as the ground station service provider and from maybe the satellite operator's point of view, what advantages does such a standard agreement bring for where there's a case of requiring to service multiple missions? Yeah, so definitely for us, and then these automatically reflect as an advantage for, for our customers. It gives us a possibility of discussion for multiple missions and really understanding much more deeply what our customers need for more than one mission. You know, So in case we need to do any development or any integration, knowing that we do it for multiple missions, you know, we can push it. Uh, much more in our pipeline in general, so develop it much much faster. On really technical advantages, it's really the thing to have a standardized interface, test it and integrate it once, for example, the, the interface between the mission control software and our service. We can make all what we call the service readiness test once. We know that all the other missions that you will activate, if they are not really changing too much, they will be already compliant with that. And also any kind of compatibility testing with the baseband processing. So being sure that the RF signal that you're sending actually will be received correctly, decoded correctly, and then the data will be transferred correctly. So there we have an advantage because we have a system that that we know already that is working. And then having more and more missions added to that, of course, reduce the kind of troubleshooting you need to do every time that you have a, a new mission. Another thing is that, of course, having these kind of partnerships and having a constant collaboration or discussion with our customers allows us to know what are their needs, maybe not today, but their needs for for tomorrow. And so plan accordingly our expansion of the ground station network, for example, or maybe expansion to other frequency bands that we can use because our customers see a natural trend in that use for the coming years, or even adding a certain feature 
to our APIs because the customer need to have a, a monitoring, an actual metrics that they need for monitoring. So all of these things, you know, really living it more of, uh, as a partnership model instead of a, just a, a provider a customer model makes much more sense for us and give us a little bit more of a view. And the customer also the, or the mission provider can also plan their missions according to what we have already developed, what we are already operating, the kind of operation that they know it's working. So they may change how or what they're going to downlink for a mission in two or three years' time based on the ground stations that you have available, for example. And and likewise, you may change setup of those ground stations and, wh- and where they're located based on what your customers need. Yeah, Re- right, interesting. And you mentioned, of course, the answer to the first question, that regulation is such a, an important part of this. So aside then, I guess, from the technical benefits that the standard agreement brings, I wonder if you could explain how they could help you take care of regulatory requirements that the satellite operator might be obliged to meet because they're such a big part of uh, getting a satellite into orbit. Yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of times it's a part that is, I would not say neglected, but uh, maybe, you know, it's not considered as well as, as it should be. But this is a, a thing for the ground segment in general. In particular, about, you know, regulations, the thing is that, let's take always the example of the mission provider. So you have multiple mission planned and you have different customers coming to you to, to say, okay, I want to have this mission flying in this orbit at these specs and so on. If you don't have a natural, let me call it product or process, uh, think about the fact that you will have multiple missions, multiple customers. What you will end up doing is actually have one license per satellite or per mission that you will launch. And this, of course, reflects in a lot of time because every license takes a lot of time for just the ITU API preparation, submission, notification, publication, and all the other steps through. And, uh, and you need to repeat the same process every time. And every time, for example, you need also to interface with us to understand, okay, what's your ground station network like right now? What will be like in two years? What are the specs of your ground station network again? And put everything together. You need to do this uh, every time. But if you think it, it about more of, a, of an efficient process, what you could do instead is uh, at least if you have a plan for multiple missions, is to actually, you know, filing a single uh, satellite network to the ITU in which you input maybe different frequencies that you are going to use. Maybe you're not using for, for the first mission, but at least you have an outlook what you're doing. And in this way, process is much more streamlined for you because you just do one filing process for your entire satellite network. And then when you're, you need to launch new missions, you just launch them and in case notify yet you and on our side is much streamlined because we need of course to do one license every ground station that we have in every country for every mission that we follow but if multiple missions are below the same satellite network we just need to do it once and in this way it just not reduce only the time of filing but also if you need to launch one satellite in the next three months because you have an urgency or you have a customer that is paying a lot to launches as fast as possible, we can directly operate to your satellite from the day that you launch instead of you know waiting for the actual approval of the license and uh, et cetera. That in some cases, it can take even up to several months. 
And in general, so all this process helps for the coordination at countries level with other operators in case if you're not, if you're using a, a frequency band that needs to be coordinated in some cases. So in general, I believe, you know, the base concept is always try to plan as much as possible your future needs, maybe not specifically in the mission, on the single mission needs, but specifically in terms of business. And uh, doing this together with us, you know, we can do it once together and then we are okay, let me say, for the rest of the life, or at least for the rest of the life of the content that we will have. For the satellite operator, it's a case of try and think like a network operator, try and be forward looking and, and prepare. So, um, and that'll help things. So, and then obviously you're working with the ground station network partner in yourselves or alternative companies. So yeah, it makes sense. You know, right now, I believe it makes much more sense in the candle market, on the new space market that we are right now, because the market itself allow for this kind of thinking. So if I was doing this a few years ago, you know, maybe it didn't have the outlook so far to build up all these things. So it was better to, to focus on a, on a single mission each time. But now the market is a little bit uh, more mature, let me say. The mission providers are also more mature and their offer is more mature. So they can have an outlook on actually the missions that have already as backlog or their planned missions. And so having this future or forward-looking approach definitely pays off. I wonder if you could uh, talk a little bit about things on the commercial side. I wonder if you could maybe elaborate how the the volume and the pricing structure can work for you know operating a standard framework agreement across multiple missions for a satellite operator. Let's start from from the basics. You know, as a service provider, we need to have all our ground stations running efficiently, and this means try to increase the duty cycle or the number of contacts per day that one single ground station does as much as possible. Because in this way, of course, the, our costs are much better amortized and then the price that we can provide to our customers is much better, of course. So what we came up with for this uh, partnership program is actually to build a volume-based discount in, in our pricing structure. So we have our pricing model that is based on a price per minute of contact, for example, depending on the the actual data rate uh, that we are transmitting or downlinking, depending to the from the customer from the satellite. But then we have different ranges of specific price depending on the volume of minutes that we are handling day by day with a specific customer under a specific content. So all this complicated thing to just say of course that as much missions we are handling under the same contract, the more volume we will actually provide of contacts per day, and then the lower the price per minute will be. And this is really good you know, for economics of scale because it's really fixed. So this is a standard volume discount that we have, and you can actually directly see your projections in terms of how many missions you will have one day, and then you can see what will be the price per minute for you. And this you know, applies to any active mission that you have for a single customer under the same context. So even though you will have slightly different missions, so for example, maybe one mission just doing TTNC on S-band and another mission doing X-band downlink at high data rate, it all counts as, a, as the same volume of minutes per day. And since we do it daily, 
also you can actually have a favorable pricing structure at the end of the month. Right, interesting. So you've really broken it down to the core of day to day, minutes per day. So that's, that's brilliant. So apart from streamlining pricing you know, based on volume and, and helping to meet the regulatory requirements, as we've discussed, what other sort of improvements do you think do you foresee adding to to a ground segment as a service operation like yours in order to keep adding value in the future to satellite operators? Well, one thing for sure is what we discussed before. So doing a one-time integration, you know, so we have a really simple interfaces and whatever. So our customers are integrating with our system quite fastly in the matters of hours, I will say. So it's really easy to do that. But one thing that is really important when you're handling multiple missions is not to rebuild the interface or retest it every time. If you can do it once and and using that as also your benchmark, then you save money because you don't need to redevelop any integration every time. You save time because, uh, of course, integration time, but also testing time and so on. And also you can better address your, your operations to be aligned with the kind of interfaces or metrics that we provide and so on. In addition to that, this is a, a lot of, let me say, operational or mission management process that uh, saves time and money. Another fact is that if with this kind of partnership, we really want to discuss with our customer what they want us to do in order to improve the service and so on. So having uh, these framework agreements in place give us a better uh, outlook on their missions and so we can say, okay, this customer is asking us to develop this, this, and this feature that we can put in the pipeline because it makes sense for us to put in the pipeline. And also because any feature maybe that is needed for customer A can be used also for customer B, C, and D. So it's really more, uh, as I said, as a partnership than just as a provision of service because we want to improve our service as our customers uh, need us to do. And that makes a lot of sense from a business perspective. So yeah, thanks for explaining that. And I guess my final question builds onto that. Obviously, please, you know, only share things you're allowed and you're comfortable of sharing, but maybe based on the emerging requirements of your customers or the future requirements that you think your customers might have and other trends and and changes you're seeing in the industry. I wonder if you could explain to us a little bit about where you see the ground segment as a service market moving. Well, that, that's a good question. I know it's, it's a question that to find an answer, I need a crystal ball, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> now, there, there are a few trends that we see quite strongly internally, talking with our customer, et cetera. You know, definitely there are, let me say, some common trends that are seen in these markets. So, you know, like getting to use higher and higher frequencies to enable a higher throughput both in, uh, in downlink-wise, you know, for Earth observation mission, but also uplink and downlink-wise. So maybe for gateways, application for broadband uh, constellation or broadband communication in general. So, and this, you know, is not just higher frequencies in RF, but it means also quite a lot higher frequencies to get to optical communication in case. And then, of course, there is uh, the fact to evolve the ground segment as a service, not just, you know, to support LEO missions, but also to support uh, higher orbit missions. So MEO, GEO in some cases, and also cislunar deep space. So we'll to evolve 
the same kind of method, but to, to other orbits, other kind of spacecraft, and not just to new space or small satellites, but really to that. One thing that we really believe a lot inside the lift space is not just, you know, that there will be these, these kind of trends, but actually, and I believe this, this kind of uh, partnership program that we're building is really in that direction, is to see a more and more interconnection between satellites and the ground segment. Just because right now, technological point of view, uh, but also service, from the service point of view, we can handle that. So, you know, before, and it's still true for some ground station as a service provider, the satellite operator is actually the one driving uh, also the kind of views for the ground segment. And that's definitely true, but it also means that the satellite operator needs to book, for example, specific passes over a specific ground station at a specific time. And this is, of course, you know, a method that we are using from the start of the of the market, and made sense until a few years ago when the number of satellites was, or the number of stations was much higher, let me say, than the number of satellites. Right now, it's totally the opposite. And so we need to have more interconnection between satellite operation, ground segment operation, and overall mission operation. Like, for example, to push really where we are already there with the autonomous scheduling algorithms that actually schedule the activity of the network to supply the actual service that is needed by satellite operator without them to do anything manual or automatically, but also getting more and more or lower level on the kind of automation of, uh, of operation on both sides. So apart from a, let me say, technological perspective, uh, RF-wise <laughs> or frequency-wise, there is also a kind of lot of innovation that could be done on the actual network operation, scheduling, and, and service provision. Oh, brilliant. And, you know, we touched on some of those points, actually, in our previous podcast back back in March when we spoke about the importance of flexibility and versatility and, and uh, you know, compatibility between different companies and with emerging things like the optical wavelengths and stuff being used. So um, a lot going on in the industry. And uh, I think, uh, and we've covered, you know, uh, quite a bit of it today. So, um, yeah, I, I guess it's a good place to wrap up uh, there, Giovanni. You know, thanks very much. Some really interesting insights into the ground segment as a service business model and what it can really bring to companies that have this uh, challenge and opportunity of of managing multiple missions and working on multiple missions. So, yeah, we really appreciate you spending time with us on the Space Industry Podcast today. Oh, thanks to you for having me here. And, you know, it's re- I'm really glad to participate in this. Uh, and, you know, I'm following all your <laughs> other podcasts. So it's really good, you know, to have this way of talking, at least in the market. I believe it's, it's really great and gives a lot of our more understanding of what's going on. Oh, great. Thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, to all our listeners out there, remember you can find out more about LeafSpace on the SatSearch platform at satsearch.com. You can find out about the individual aspects of the company's uh, ground segment as a service business models, um, make requests for more information, technical information or commercial information, as well as introductions to the business. Um, and we also have uh, various other pieces of content we've produced in collaboration with LeafSpace. So um, be sure to check that out on our blog, podcast and, and the website. Thank you very much for spending time with us today on the Space Industry Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space Industry by SatSearch. I hope you enjoyed today's story about one of the companies taking us into orbit. We'll be back soon with more in-depth, behind-the-scenes insights from private space businesses. In the meantime, you can go to satsearch.com for more information on the space industry today or find us on social media if you have any questions or comments. 
To stay up to date, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can also get each podcast on demand on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store or whichever podcast service you typically use.